James Panicki, MLEX's Brussels Managing Editor, and with me are two leading lights of MLEX's Brussels Antitrust Posse. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's Chief Global Correspondent. He covers antitrust policy and enforcement. Matthew Newman is our Senior Correspondent, and he covers antitrust and cartel investigations. That's a lot of antitrust expertise crammed into one room. Lewis, Matthew, welcome back. Hiya. Thank you. Now, the EU Court of Justice made a decision this week which uh, we had expected to indicate the fate of a penalty worth over a billion euros. That amount, again, one billion euros imposed on US chipmaker Intel by the EU regulator. Instead, the court uh, caught most observers by surprise by deciding uh, not to decide. It handed the problem back to the lower tier general court whence it had come in the first place. But to quote a 1970s Canadian prog rock band, if you decide not to decide, you have still made a choice. And we'll talk about what this judgment means in just a moment. But Matthew, you were in Luxembourg on Wednesday for the ruling. Walk us through the decision just in very general terms. What do the judges say? Well, it was an electric atmosphere down there, and people were waiting for this uh, either to be completely in line with the Advocate General's opinion, and um, they weren't disappointed because the Advocate General had said that the case should be set aside and sent back to the general court. And so set aside is a, is a bit cumbersome, um, but it means essentially that the general court has not done a good job on this particular appeal, and they have to look at it again. And, I mean, it would be easy, easy for the judges of the general court to take offence at this because they're essentially saying, look, you haven't thought it through adequately. They focused on the issue of, of obviously, of, of rebates, and that's central to this case. But just take us a few steps back and just remind us what this Intel case is about. Sure. So what happened is the Court of uh, Justice told the general court that they had failed to look at a very important aspect of Intel's defense. So Intel uh, was accused of offering rebates to its uh, PC customers, so people like uh, HP, Lenovo, Dell, on uh, memory chips. And these chips are essential components for all laptops and PCs. And the market share for Intel is, is huge. It's more than 70%. And the only other competitor is advanced micro devices. Uh, so what happened is that AMD was essentially being shut out of the market because they couldn't match the rebates offered by Intel. When we say rebates in this case, what we're really talking about is sort of money back. So if you buy our chips, we will further down the track give you a, a wad of cash which you can um, then go on and spend as you please. Absolutely. Uh, and the commission built a whole case on this. Um, the Commission's main argument when it got to court was on the case law. So it went all the way back to 1979, a very famous case involving Hoffman La Roche uh, on vitamins. And the case uh, was very legalistic, and one, one could even say formalistic. Um, and when the general court looked at it, they said, okay, Commission, you did a fine job on the law, and you didn't even have to look at the uh, effects on the case, effects on the market. It and wasn't even part of the, um, you didn't even need to do that, even though the commission had done that. Mm. And the Court of Justice looked at that and said, um, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. I'm sorry. The commission had done this very, very extensive economic test on how 
the rebates affected the market and did not even take that in consideration. So that sort of mismatch mm. was seen as a, a procedural error, actually, mm. uh, and that's what the general court's going to have to do now. And we'll get stuck into the detail of the decision in just a moment. Now, Lewis, you weren't even born in 1979, so the case law is actually older than you are. Um, and obviously, as your editor, I was hoping for a nice tidy headline along the lines of Intel scores a victory or commission bolstered by a decision. That wasn't to be. I was denied that moment of catharsis. But just in very general terms, who are the winners and who are the losers? Well, well talking about birth and the Intel case, I, can, I remember when this case was last before the court, um, it was a four or five day hearing and I left in order to go and get married. And now since, since that, I've had two children. So it's now going back to the general court. And who knows what the size of my family will be by the time it's we a, get a uh, final judgment. Might interrupt one of your children's wedding when, they, when it's their <laughs> wedding day. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, this, this case boils down to a, a, an old um, dispute for the heart of antitrust law, which is um, how much are certain kinds of behaviour illegal in themselves, illegal by design, and how much do you have to analyse the effects and the impact on the market? Mm-hmm. And as Matthew said, at the, the first court ruling uh, a few years ago, basically sided with the, with the lawyers, with the legal test. And this week's court ruling has brought the economists back into the game. So I've been in touch with a few economists. They've got the trumpets out. They've got the, uh, <laughs> the, the champagne corks are popping. You know, they're back in business um, after the, the previous ruling, which had seemed to sort of very much relegate them to second place. Um, now... You know, the flip side of that is, you know, you'll see lots of lots of um, notes from lawyers and economists saying this is good for business. This is, gives us more scope to argue. This puts more impetus on the competition on the commission, more onus, sorry, on the on the commission to conduct a fuller analysis. Others say it's not really about the commission. What the higher court found is a lower court error. Mm-hmm. So the commission's doing its job. Um, the criticism is internal to the court between higher judges and lower judges, uh, and it would be it's pushing it too far to extrapolate to the commission. That's what one um, counter view is. Mm. Well, Matthew, you mm. in fact in your in your analysis of the decision really cover the reason uh, that has led to economists uh, mm. in Brussels to uh, to celebrate and to. Uh, and to reach for the champagne bottles. And that is essentially because the court took issue with the lower court because it said it failed to examine all of Intel's arguments on whether the rebates it offered were capable of harming competition. So um, essentially the, 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 the general court should have examined the economics of it. Now, talk me through that, that, that logic for a moment. Sure. I mean, it is kind of specific to the question of rebates. Um, the uh, one kind of disappointing thing in the court's judgment is that they didn't uh, rule on any of the substance of this case. So there was nothing about the fine. There was nothing about how the rebates were could have been categorized in, you know, or miscategorized in different kinds of rebates. There was nothing on that. But what it, they did say, uh, very specifically, is that if a company, as a defendant, says, we don't think that these rebates are capable of harming competition. We don't think that you know, rebates are actually a good thing, mm. right? You get lower prices. Um, and the commission has completely gotten this wrong. It's now up to the commission. Mm. And this is, this is actually a, a specific paragraph where, where they talk about the commission and not the general court. It's up to the commission to look at the context of the rebates. And that means, very specifically, how long do they last? Mm. 
how big are they? So are these massive discounts? You need to look at their their scope. Whereas, you know, whereas up until now, the commission has simply said, "Oh, look, we've 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 come to the conclusion that there was market yeah. dominance in this case, and we're moving on." And so they're they're using that almost as a given. Now, yeah. what the court is saying is that look, the general court has to take that back and just say, "No, there are no givens anymore. You've got to to establish that." Yeah. And your piece goes on and talks about that in the context of of other cases, which we're talking about, including Qualcomm, which is probably the, the, the obvious uh, the obvious parallel, but Google. Take me through those two cases. Sure. So um, I think that there was a bit of nervousness in, in the Berlement, the Commission's head, headquarters, about you know what was going to happen to their other cases. And, and there, uh, the, the one that's directly affected is Qualcomm, because the Commission launched an investigation uh, several years ago, sent official charges to Qualcomm, essentially saying that um, they, the company offers chips, baseband chips in this case, at a um, discount um, in order to exclude uh, its competitors. Now, that kind of charge is going to have to be backed up mm. with evidence. Now, in, now the light, in the light of this. Absolutely. So, um, so they're basically saying, look, you can't have this cavalier attitude to, to talking about when companies are dominating Absolutely. the particular market. You need to bring to the table the economic evidence yeah. for it. Now, the commission could come back and say, well, actually, we were going to do that anyway. Well, they could say that, but I, they, they've now lost a major, major mm. limb uh, of a defense, which is that these rebates are per se illegal. Um, they can't just go to the court and say, well, look, you know, you don't even need to look at the evidence because yep. look at all this great case law behind it. Now, uh, the, the court, acts, it's quite, the wording of the judgment is, is fascinating because it cites the case law, mm. doesn't, and says, you know, the case law is still there. We're not overturning the case law. We're clarifying the case law. And that clarification means that you need to look at the context of the circumstances of these rebates. Mm. You can't just mm. you know, dismiss mm. a company's argument that perhaps that there might be some benefits to these, uh, and, these rebates. And, and in just a couple of words, what about Google? Uh, yeah, so Google yeah. Is, is also an interesting case. Uh, it's not about rebates, um, but it is about um, what, what we call these exclusionary practices. And exclusionary practices is, is sort of legalese for you're trying to drive your competitors out of the market. And so on the um, Android case, which is uh, pending, and we're expecting a decision on that one, Google has a search box on various websites, let's say New York Times or The Guardian, and they say that that's an exclusivity uh, arrangement. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where the commission says you need to open that, open that up to, to competition, you can't have some sort of exclusive contracts. I'm sorry, that was that's the Ad AdSense case, and on the Android case, there's exclusive arrangements with uh, phone makers to only have the um, certain Android operating system on their phones, in addition to add the apps, the Google apps, and those kind of exclusive contracts, they are being questioned. And so the 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 connection with the Google is quite simple. What kind of evidence is the commission going to have to come up with mm -hmm. to show that there's an actual harm on the marketplace. So the onus will be really on the commission. The burden of proof 
is really on the commission. Mm. Now, Lewis, your analysis examines a couple of more um, procedural issues, starting from the issue of territoriality and jurisdiction. Why is jurisdiction an issue? Why are we talking about geography when we should be talking about uh, slightly more uh, sort of nerdy stuff like like Matthew has been up until now? Well, James, it's the question is how big is your stick? Essentially, is can regulators in Brussels will stick, which mm. just reaches to the edges of the European Union, or can it can it go further? And you know, while Matthew has just explained the sort of this philosophical battle, which is at the heart of the Intel case, there were two more sort of rather more boring but no less important fights. One was uh, jurisdiction, which is can uh, the European Commission, Brussels-based regulators looking at the, the confines of the EU, can they take into account what Intel was doing in China with a computer manufacturer called Lenovo? Isn't that happening thousands of miles away on a different continent? And what has that got to do with a Brussels-based regulator? And what the court uh, said, which is actually what the court's been saying for a while, is the European Commission is entitled to look at the overall sort of commercial scheme and strategy of the company. And in this case, the deals with Lenovo were part of um, a strategy employed by Intel with other regu- with other um, PC makers in other places. And it was clear that this was, you know, part of an overall strategy mm. to um, exclude its competitor. And, and so this was a win in a way for the commission. Total win, yeah. yeah. And, and one that was perhaps expected, but it sort of was helpful for it to be restated. And the commission will be relieved that it hasn't taken a dent. You know, if it had gone the other way, then companies could have potentially escaped EU enforcement by slicing and dicing the way they do business and things could have um, been hidden away in other continents. So, you know, the, the, the alternative view is, you know, the commission is now far too powerful and it's unchecked in its pursuit of things which are happening on different continents. You know, that's what some in the in the private bar will say. But um, the commission will be relieved uh, and happy that this has been restated. And, and it doesn't have to refocus I mean, it can continue to sort of look look at these things on a global level, and so they'll be extremely absolutely. And if you th- if you think of um, you know no conduct involving uh, components for devices will um, take place probably without Asian markets or without American markets being in play. Uh, so it's you know very pragmatically the Commission can continue to mm. take on some of these markets mm. which are global. Mm. However, the court was less understanding when it comes to the, uh, the the nature of gathering evidence. Now this sounds in a way very technical but it actually turned out to be quite a big deal, didn't it? Yeah, this is and will be a total pain in the neck for the Commission. The third uh, strand of the judgment was about an interview that the uh, Commission officials undertook with an executive from Dell and that interview uh, lasted five hours and what the dispute came down to was Intel saying we'd like to see that interview or at least read minutes of the interview uh, and, and they didn't get it until much later and a sort of a, a note that was prepared afterwards and the commission was chastised for this for, for, for poor procedure but at the lower court the previous ruling said uh, not a problem the commission should be able to decide when to have a formal interview mm. which is when you have to document it and so mm. forth and an informal interview the commission wanted to chat to this guy to work out, right, well, what do we need to do? What lines of inquiry should we pursue and so forth? And, you know, frankly, the commission officials would like to have the choice between conducting these informal chats to sort of prepare their investigation and the more formal document, formal chats to actually gather evidence. Now, what the court said was, if you're gathering evidence, you have to record it in full. Now, in full is obviously going to be a bit of a pain in the neck. What does that mean? I'm sure lawyers in town will say, Full can only mean a transcript, maybe even a mm-hmm. video recording. 
Whereas on the other hand, um, it could just be sort of detailed minutes of the of the meeting or of, of the information given. But but I mean, why why is this a big deal? I mean, it just means uh, you know an outsider might just say, well, look, that just involves the commission whenever they're speaking to someone, calling the the guy down from audio visual just to record it. Why is this a big deal? <clears throat> That's not how it works when you're in a. Uh, investigation that could cause billions of euros in fines. There's rights of defence, you know, these will all be contested and disclosed. They might end up in another court in another country mm. being used against you in litigation. So you can't just say, look, come over for a coffee and we'll talk things through. Inevitably, these people are going to want to presumably lawyer up or they're going to want exactly. to make sure that they're, they're exactly. not saying anything. And no, and I mean, you, you've, just, you've just hit upon it. If you mm. were going to phone up someone just for a chat, you know, does that have to be documented? Now, the, what the court said was or meetings for the purposes of, of, um, of the investigation, I think. Now, what the commission could do or might have to do is find a category of meeting mm. that they can create which isn't for the purposes of the investigation. There must be ways around this in the sense you could bring in a, a, a someone to just have an informal chat and then later uh, call the person in again to do it, um, you know, formally. I mean, exactly, which is ways. actually what the you know what their uh, presentation of the Dell meeting was mm-hmm. was about, which is look, we we need to chat to this person in order to work out uh, what kinds of things he can and can't say, what information he does has, yep. so we know what, what what questions to ask at a later date. You know, in its most ludicrous terms, if you if a commission official bumped into you know uh, an executive in the street and happened to ask a question or information was exchanged which happened to pertain mm. then it would have to be mm. um, recorded and documented yeah. but in, in a way we're talking about implications for future cases but what about the intel case itself i mean is the court going back to the general court and saying look actually this is problematic the way in which you you've done this uh, could the whole case come unstuck as a result of this uh no, and that was this sort of strange weasel words of the judgment, which is uh, you know, they found a fault here, but said it wasn't enough to bring the house down. And so the implications really are in uh, future investigations for the commission. It's going to have to read this, see what it actually means for its investigative practices. I'm sure well, there will have to be a way round it or a way to curtail it and work out that just in certain categories, in certain instances, this um, documenting has to take place and what does documenting in full mean and they will have to because otherwise it's the administrative burden is too great finally matthew uh talking about the timing you were in luxembourg and it was actually your birthday Mm. um on on the day the question is in terms of timing how many more birthdays will you have to spend in luxembourg this is a great italian expression to ask someone's age you say how many spring times have you seen how many more spring times are you going to see before this case is over? I think this, there, there's no question that this will drag on. There will be a couple interesting uh, little bumps in the road for us to follow. Um, does it go back to the same chamber? Is it the same judge who's going to look at it? That would be awfully awkward, wouldn't it? Um, but that could happen. Is it going to go into the minutia of all this evidence and, and how much? Um, you know, Is there going to be any kind of problem with with digging out all this old stuff from literally eight years ago um and then will that all be appealed at the court of justice again so we're easily looking at for five minimum five more years until a final decision and lewis i was thinking uh, i mean on the one hand this this must be difficult for intel because presumably they're locked in this kind of purgatory but on the other hand i suppose shareholders know about this they've obviously factored uh, factor the payment of this massive fine in somewhere somewhere in the books does intel really care it doesn't really it's not really a life or death scenario other than having to pay a massive fine not at all and, and you've pretty much summarized their statement yesterday mm. um 
this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're happy that they've uh, chalked up a victory and a very, very rare victory in these kinds of cases. At the same time, the money's already written off. I'm sure they'd be happy to get some back one day if it ever if it ever comes to that. Uh, the legal question is one which um, infects all sorts of other cases and will be battered around this town and other towns for years and years to come. And that's not really an, an intel thing. It's it's much more about you know, antitrust law in general. Uh, you know, cases tend to take on a life of their own. This started off with some rather tasty evidence of rebate schemes and, and dirty dealing allegedly between Intel and AMD and, and the um, and the, and the PC makers, and it's ended up being a you know esoteric debate about um, when you can let the economists in the room to make an argument. Um, you know that's no longer really Intel's beef. All right. Well, that brings uh, to an end a rather esoteric uh, podcast for today. We should also say that Wednesday's coverage of the EU Court of Justice's decision wouldn't have been possible without the contribution of the broader MLEX Brussels antitrust team, which includes Mary Eccles and Mario Hilgenfeld. Matthew and Lewis, thank you very much. Thank you. Matthew's analysis of the Intel decision is titled (coughs) Intel Antitrust Decision Will Shift EU Regulators' Gaze to Market Reality and Lewis's comment is called Intel Ruling Safeguards EU's Antitrust Reach but Triggers Procedural Headache. A link to both of those articles can be found in the Editor's Picks section of our website. I'm James Panicki, MLEX's Brussels Managing Editor. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now.